Hi, and welcome to the Sunday Lunch Project Manager podcast for Sunday, the 20th of March, 2022. This is your host, Nigel Creaser, and this week I've got the first part of my chat with Eleanor Mosh, the construction coach. So let's get to it. Again this week we are sponsored by Tamplo. Tamplo turns meetings into action plans. And we all want better meetings, don't we? How many of us spend too much time in meetings? And how many spend too much time in meetings that just are no good? And we think we shouldn't be there. I heard a story that Elon Musk said that people should leave their meetings after 10 minutes in his organisations if the meetings, they don't need to be there or don't understand why they're there. What happens if you need that person there? It's just that they didn't know they needed to be there. Well, Tamplo can help. With their meeting structures within their cloud-based service, you can create structure for meetings and meaning for meetings. With a clear agenda, setting meeting parameters to stick to a plan. Uh, shared it. And how often do you get that situation where you have someone like me, maybe, who takes off down a rabbit hole? Well, that's it. You can, you can use this tool to keep to that. The shared agenda you can create allows those rabbit holes to be identified early and become fully prepared and have everyone, have all the invitees add information uh, into those agendas where they need things to be talked about. So no surprises. You can lead the meeting through using uh, template and each item and record the, the information or decisions or actions live in template and also through Microsoft Teams. You can have comments, decisions and assign tasks as you're doing it. None of this right looking through your notebook and deciding what was it that someone said you said they do that you're doing it there and it's going to drop into their dashboard meetings are also sent to minutes sent to all invitees so they know it's all there but you're not having to sit back and create those meetings later on uh, and they're available for everyone to look back over time uh, ideal for using with recurrent meetings where you want to see all of those decisions that step through but you don't want to look through a hundred different word documents that are ordered in a weird SharePoint site in a weird order because someone saved the, the, uh, the document as a different name. The, the meetings become shorter and more enjoyable, or as enjoyable as a meeting can be. It allows you to stick to the agenda, to an agenda, and be more collaborative. And no one leaves the meeting not knowing what they should be doing or who's doing it because it's all there in Tampa. So your meetings are better. But then, have we all been to meetings that have been brilliant and superb? I've been to some, they've been really good. But then, Nothing happens after those meetings. All of the tasks that were allocated, all the things weren't chased up, weren't chased down, in it, and all of it drifts. That's where Tableau can help again. The project, the task management, and follow-up capabilities of the tool provide a clear dashboard with an overview of scheduled tasks, alerts on tasks, and overview of teams' progress. So you can track what's going on, and I can track what I need to do. You can create your own daily plan of tasks uh, that you want to work on or check in on with the others. Uh, easy task assignment um, and then adding deadlines and degree of importance who the owner is and followers you can follow them clear descriptions and you can upload documents too so it's all in one place easy project management with dedicated dashboard lists of tasks and people who what people are working on so you can see in one place as a PM what people are doing it's a collaborative tool with all documents uploaded in one place stress free free feedback and your manager validation of status and comments 
can assign tasks to individuals or to teams. So again, if you've got those self-managing teams, that can be done without you being, uh, it can be clear that team that it has that, put it on their back on me. Uh, so no task is left undone and the tracking is transparent to everyone. There's more efficiency, more motivation, and change status is clear once project, uh, tasks are completed. Um, it gives a clear action plan, more structure, and hopefully more projects completed on time. And there's PMs, if we can complete projects on time, uh, and uh, uh, more efficiency to what we want to do. The product's easy, intuitive, it gets your work done with peace of mind, and more efficiency, and more collaboration. So, if you want to have a look, uh, I have a URL you can pop along to called tinyurl.com slash Nigel Creaser Templo. That's Nigel Creaser Templo, all one word, and it's T-A-M-P-L-O. If you don't know it's Nigel Creaser, it's C-R-E-A-S-E-R. And I get a little kickback if you decide to sign up for the full um, service or one of the uh, subscribed values. Uh, but there's a trial, you get a 14-day trial, I think it is, uh, and uh, to try it out and see, well, actually, it's a full-month trial. So you can get a month's worth of being more productive and trying this out with you and your team. So get on it, have a go with it, and uh, enjoy your better meetings and better to follow. With Temple. Well, what's been going on with me uh, the last couple of weeks? Um, basically, I've been getting loads of people sorted out, ready for the uh, podcast interviews, which is really fantastic. I think I'm, um, I may uh, give you guys a break from my voice and for someone like I did last year, so it might be a nice little uh, time to do that. And I think I've probably got September, October um, scheduled for interviews with people, so um, really pleased with that. We've got some great guests coming. Um, some really interesting topics, so that's fabulous. Um, what else has been going on? Uh, I just pinged out my latest newsletter, which covers a lot of really old stuff. So, if you are a, a, one of my newsletter readers, maybe you've uh, you probably heard most of the stuff I've sent out, um, but then what's out there? So, um, it's been a quiet couple of weeks. I've been busy doing stuff, but it's been a, a quiet couple of weeks, I suppose. So, um I'm not going to burden you with lots of chatter. I'm going to let you get on with the chat with um, my best of my chat with Alan Walsh. So, um, yeah, a short, short intro this time. And, uh, yeah, I hope you enjoy the interview. Cheers, now. Bye. That's why it's so important that as a leader, we have people in our corner. We don't need many people, whether that's a significant other, even more importantly, a mentor or a coach or someone who can always provide that, you know, that sounding board and, and that direction is imperative because there is nothing to say that whilst leadership is lonely, that you have to go about it alone. Yeah. Yeah. No, that's really, really good point. It's, um, and that, it makes me think there of um, the one thing in my career that I've not, I've, I've never, well, not never, I've, not maintained a good um, mentorship pro group for, of, of, for myself. Uh, I've had fits and starts with it. I have some people who kind of kind of have filled those roles, but not in a formal manner. Um, 
I think the the closest I had to that was one of my old bosses many years ago who left the company, moved on to another. And we used to meet up regularly and it would kind of be really useful getting in touch with him. But it's interesting seeing that like the organization I've been in now, I've been there coming up 17 years. And um, I've seen a lot of people who have worked for me um, who have moved up and past and, and into much greater heights. Um, and when they've worked for me and, and then they've done really well and then they've moved on and it's kind of been really, really nice to see them succeeding in the organization. And it feels so good to feel as if you've made a part, even if it's a small part, even if they didn't like me and they decided to move to another role and find something else, that might've been a small part, but it, or, or if it was just something you've said that can help or just giving them that room to spread their wings and, 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 and develop, it feels good to see it. And, and it's, it's tiny. It just, and you say, if you can, if you can get that pleasure out of that, that makes it easier to sit with someone and go, look, you've been doing this and you've been doing this. That's stopping you getting further in the organization stopping you being the best you because you're doing it with the right um care and love for that person and the want for them to succeed and and if you if you're doing that it's so much easier to help develop someone whereas if you're doing it to get the the best out of them for you for them to achieve your goals that that just it skews it doesn't it yeah yeah, and it's about what they want. And this is when it comes to people truly, you know, having that love and care. I'm not talking about a romantic love, but no. when you do love what the person, you know, what they want to achieve, what they're, it's, it's love for their dreams. It's love for their aspirations. It's care for their problems and it's care for their fears. Yeah. That's what we mean when we say love and care for the person we're not here to you know make them happy or make their dreams come true we're here to enable them to achieve all of that for themselves yeah. that's what it means to set someone up for success if i do something for someone else then i know how to do it but they're actually at a disadvantage because they still don't know how to do it i've just put soothing cream on a broken leg it yeah. doesn't work so that's what it also means by raising the standard. It's about enabling other people. And that's a really good point. Little... Sorry, carry on. No, just, go on. Just, that's that's okay. a really good point about what one thing that I think a lot of managers don't do, a lot of leaders don't sometimes don't do. And I've I'm guilty of it myself as well, is effective delegation. Because the excuse of oh, I can get it done myself. There's certain <laughs> things that if, you, if it's a spreadsheet related thing, I'm a failed accountant. I've said it before on here, but I, <laughs> I was 18 when I started using spreadsheets. I'm a, a lot older now. And and mm-hmm. I kind of I sit there and I oh, I can just do it. And I shouldn't. I should say to the person, this is what I want. I should get them to do it and I should explain what the issue is. Um, and, and, and that's hopefully that's one of the few things where I do that, whereas I'm better at other things. But I think that that lack of delegation that soothing cream instead of, of of fixing the problem is what you're doing isn't it it's that it's it's all about when to delegate when to correct someone when to give them feedback um you've got to you may cover for them but you need to give them feedback and say i've had to cover for you because you've messed this up but this is what it is and it um it, it and it's it's hard sometimes because it is it is difficult to turn around to someone and say you've done that wrong change it 
there are ways to do it and there's tools and techniques to do it, but it's still hard to do it because no one likes to, well, I suppose it depends on character, but you don't want to deliver it in a way that um, injures that person or makes them feel uncomfortable. And we all, human nature is you want to be popular. So by telling something, something bad to someone, you're not popular. Uh, it, even if it's only for that little second of time, your inner chimp's trying to protect you. And I think it's, um, I don't know, it's, it's, it feels, again, it's, it's out of being able to look at that person and say, what, what would they, what would you want in their position? And like you say, you'd want your leg fixed, wouldn't you? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That's what well, you'd you know, want. Ideally. Well, most people don't actually want to address the root cause. They rather just keep on the pain of the problem rather yeah. than actually do the quote unquote work in order to fix the problem. Yeah. But when it comes to feedback, feedback has to have two things. Number one has to be timely so yeah. that it can be relevant and addressed in real time. There's no point giving feedback six months down the line. What can someone do with that? Well, no, I, th I thought it was ideal to do feedback once a year at the end of the appraisal the excuse of why someone doesn't have their score that's the way a lot of organizations do it isn't it your year-end appraisal right. is when you get some feedback because that's the justification because you were late three times one week last year you know what <laughs> i mean that's what usually happens sorry I interrupted there yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. no no that's yeah. fine and that's that's the issue is that people don't have real-time feedback yeah. and then they don't have the opportunity to redirect course in real time exactly. there's no point again getting that you know you did something last july and it's August next year I mean that really doesn't set someone up for success but two feedback also has to be evidence-based what we also see is a lot of people basing feedback on how they feel and that's an inaccurate representation for as long as they're basing their feedback and the worldview on how they feel then if their feelings change so does everything else so there is no basis for truth absolutely right. but then when it comes to you know what you're talking about delegation it's also knowing that, okay, a leader, their strengths and they thrive when they do this. And it's the same for a manager. And anything that doesn't give them the space to do the deep and meaningful work that provides the greatest results moving forward. So, you know, the 20% the that creates the, yeah. the, the most results, then no one can ever be effective. You know, with the example of my podcast, my natural disposition is the recording, the interviewing, the speaking, and that takes its time. But it's not going to be effective for me to then sit down and also do the audio production. So I delegate that. And yeah. if I were to take that on, then the amount of time it takes me to A, figure it out, B, implement it, I'm not take I'm taking away time when I could be creating when I could be writing books when I could be serving clients and yeah. this again you know if I had that fear of you know I'm the only person who can do this well no I need to skill myself in a way and I need to have processes that say this is what I want this is what excellent looks like in my world and this is what I do and so I'm enabling the other person to deliver otherwise that's how people end up buying, you know, even, even if they're a leader, they end up buying themselves a job per se, where all what they're doing is the work that they were doing 10 years ago, but now they're still doing that instead of actually inhabiting that leadership function. So yeah. it's when people, and I've, I've been on that receiving end, instead of someone ex wanting to explain something, they just go and do it. 
But what they don't also realize is that, okay, the work may quote unquote be done, but they're not realizing the emotional intangible effects this has on someone that they're working under. And again, that falls under subpar management rather than exemplary leadership. Yeah, I think I, um, I'm just going to point at my, get my finger in the right place, point at my, my latest project. One. Yeah, my latest one, productive, uh, uh, project manager productivity hacks, the, the section in delegation there, and it's not mine, it's taken from other people, the, the, the thoughts and ideas in there is, is the fact that it's leverage is yeah. the power of delegation as a manager is that your hour and 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 in there it's one of the things I talk about is you've got um responsibility for an organization you're responsible for maximizing that resource in that organization and getting the best out of them um, and getting the most work as you said before the best work and the, and the most work but that also means you as well as everyone mm -hmm. who works for you and yeah. so you spending and, and it's the old thing, oh, I can do it in 15 minutes myself. It's going to take them an hour and it's going to take me 15 minutes to show them. I'll do it in 15 minutes. I'll get it done. But the thing is, that has to be done every month. So that's you doing it 15 <laughs> minutes every month. Whereas this month, you yeah. spend 15 minutes teaching someone to do it in an hour. Well, it's still the organizational cost is an hour of someone who is likely to be lower paid, has less mm -hmm. leverage than you. If you then spend that 15 minutes putting together a business case that saves time 15 minutes for the rest of your team which is say 20 people a month well you've saved that time that you think you were going to cost to do it you know what i mean you, you, you it's just about thinking that step beyond and we all it's hard to do it sometimes because you, you kind of can't step back and go it, it's that here and now where you've got to get it done but have it actually going oh i'm going to go through the in quotes pain get that person do it they can do it from now on next month they can do it with me having five minutes just to double check it the month after i'm not doing it anymore um, mm -hmm. and they've got better they're doing it quicker and you've spent that extra 15 minutes that you've got being able to focus on those priorities on those 20 percent, on that new customer on that new process whatever it is and it, it and I, and it that's delegation a lot of people kind of come oh well why i've heard people saying well what why why should someone else have to do that why should someone do that administration role? Why should someone do this thing? And you look at people running see massive organizations who can't, don't drive themselves anywhere. And people are like, oh, they're all lazy and they're big fancy cars. They're sat doing those 20% jobs in the back of that. They're not sat like a lot of us would be doing in the back of the car, playing whatever gay angry birds on our phone. They're sat in the book, in the, book, in, in the back of the, their Maybach going, right, how do we launch this new product how do we change the direction what's the strategy of where or they'll be learning something that's going to help and and i know it from from some some of us looking up at some of these people who've got these private jets they've got these things but the these guys some of these guys i'm not not, not saying it, it they will be working 18 19 20 hour days doing those sort of things and therefore well, the amount of um benefit of them being driven and driving to an organization is massive, but it doesn't look like it on the face. It looks like a luxury, doesn't it? It's like, I know when I used to tra travel, when I was consulting, I'd have people who think, well, it's great to be, or I thought beforehand as well, that'd be great going around in hotels, staying in hotels all the time. It's all right for a little while, but after a while, <laughs> there's, there's, I think I said it to someone, there's only so many Caesar salads 
that you can eat and 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 not be fed up because there's always a Caesar salad <laughs> as the healthy option or it used to be when I was traveling in every hotel uh, or but then you sit there and go oh, I'll go out of a steak um but it's still it's it becomes norm it becomes old but uh, I think with the whole point of of delegation for me is that think about what you can do with that time think about how you can best use it for the organization that's what you were talking about the strategic and the leadership is am i using every minute that i'm working for this organization in the most productive way that i can if i'm not then do do i take that and give that to someone else yeah. or or allow me to do it in, in a few years and it, it i think it's one of the tools that i don't use well enough and other people don't use it well enough to to actually um move forward because the people feel that they shouldn't be giving what they would see as menial tasks to other people because other people it feels like you're, you're you're demeaning those other people and you're not you're helping those people stretch into doing the role that you're doing in order to do your role if they need to do those things you train them to do it and the way to train them to do it is give them the job to do it you get them to run your meetings. You step away. Eventually, you're not doing any of your job. They're doing it. You make yourself dispensable. And if you've made yourself dispensable, you've done well because either you can move on, you can take on more work for the organization, or you can do that strategic thinking. That's right. All right I went off on a bit of a rant there. Yeah. No, I, told you, I told you I'll go down rabbit holes. <laughs> no, it's, it's good. And I would want to highlight one point that, yes, you know, people see these people in the executive functions and they look like they have it easy but they got there because they are incredibly intellectual like they make really good decisions along the ways and and that's what they are fundamentally paid for at that level is to make really good decisions that have long-term implications and most people can't even make really good decisions for themselves on a day-to-day basis so when we're looking at executives or people who are making influential let's call them influential decision makers within a business, they know how to make really good decisions. Even if they get the decision wrong, then you're obviously not going to know that in time. You will only know that as you implement. But even then, they know how to execute on a vision, execute on a decision. And the remuneration that they get is also reflective of the risk and responsibility that comes with being in that position. That's why they, you know, get to have what we perceive as being you know, luxury or status and all of that, but it comes at a price of deferring gratification. And when most people at that professional bandwidth at the bottom, they do, they want to do the absolute minimum and expect the absolute maximum. They have the completely wrong perception that's required to achieve that executive or sweet seat, sweet seat success. Because when you look at these people, all what they are is they're entrepreneurs or they're entrepreneurial thinkers, but within an organization. If you were to take them out of an organization and put them in a startup, they'll do just as well. It's how they're thinking. They have the entrepreneurial approach, but people, especially throughout that lower, you know, that lower bandwidth, they have the employee mindset, which is I have a task. I need to do the task because I'm the best person to do it. And look at me, I'm so busy. I'm so overworked, pay me more, so on and so forth. Yeah. I think, yeah, I think sometimes um, I've seen it where you've got that entrepreneurial spirit of that is stifled by management as well. Mm. 
um, you will get the position where, and I'll 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 put my hand up here as this is I, I'm I'm the kind of person who set my boundaries, give me a responsibility. Yeah, set my boundaries, give me the responsibility, then leave me alone. Tell me my tell me my my, my criteria. Don't sit on my shoulder. Don't let me. If I do it, if I do it wrong, it's my fault. Yeah, if I do it right, it's my fault. It's kind of let me have that do or die scenario. The same as you say with the entrepreneurial position where if you've run in your own business, if you screw it up, you screw it up. It's your fault. Um, we have this wraparound organizations when we're working in. I've had, I've had some managers who have basically gone, you're running that. This is the minimum I expect from here. This is what I want you to do. Go away and do it. And left me alone because I, I, there's a balance there whether one they trusted me to do it and they that's how they worked or they they had no choice and they were too busy and so they had to just hope that hope that I did okay one of the two but either way it meant I was able to th design my organization design what I was doing and do it the way I wanted to do and I've, I've kind of got that now as well where and, and I think it's important because you can as an organization what people do they either Give people a free reign, do what you want, be the entrepreneur. And actually that can work in some organizations, but in others it won't because you need to put boundaries around people because some people will go, do what I want, uh, hang on. But if you set them expectations, then they'll go, all right, fine. I can. That's where I've got to work within so I can work within that. If you give them complete free range, it won't work. Um, or the other option is you go, right, you've got no no free reign you must follow here's all the procedures here's the processes here's everything that you must do and you must do it this way and as soon as you tell someone to do something a certain way you've killed creativity the way that you do it the way that the organization's done it for 10 years 20 years isn't necessarily the right way especially as as you say industry changes um i, I imagine in your industry pouring concrete has changed in the last 10, 20 years. Yeah, that's, as you know what I mean? It's a, probably a simple basic thing that everyone would think, but I bet you it's changed, doesn't it? Um, I bet you it isn't poured the same way it is 20, 20, 30 years ago. Different strengthening materials, different tools and techniques and, and all that sort of stuff. And you don't, you've got to let people have that space. I think that's the thing that gets me. It's just that space to be able to get something wrong really i've got a sticker on my wall here yeah one of my podcast interviewees and it's fail fast learn quick yeah um and that and that's the important thing that's what entrepreneurs do that's the basis that's of right. an entrepreneur isn't it they they give something a go find out it doesn't work and because there's them and six others they go right let's move this direction let's move that direction whereas then you get in a monolith organization that's got I know even if it's so I think it's what is it I think there was some study around organizational things if you've got over 150,000 uh, no 150 people they cease to be think of themselves as the same organization they break up into smaller parts so it would be into clans or, or into thiefdoms or whatever and, it, and as organizations build you'd end up having marketing against say against finance kind of they are their own they've become protective smaller than that they can feel part of one um but yeah i just i, I just feel that you've got to 
as your organizations get bigger, you've got to actively give people um, time to, to be that entrepreneur and get things wrong. Or well, most people's approaches. We're happy for you to come up and propose ideas as long as it totally conforms to everything that we're doing and what we are already thinking and doesn't actually cause us to disrupt or do anything different. So please, you're welcome to to go and create ideas. That's yeah. that's what most people's yeah. you know approaches. And and this well, is again, you know, you see them say a, but then on ground level, if you were to propose something new and and you know, I'm not saying propose anything. It has to obviously align with the business strategy and it has to be communicated properly. But they, you know, there really has to be that culture. And again, that comes from the top. It's not to say that every idea has to be implemented. Absolutely not. That's too cumbersome in an organization. But it is looking at, you know, we've always done it this way, which is the construction industry's favorite saying in the whole wide world versus you know what, we have done it this way, it is working, but is there opportunity? It's at least being open and getting people to focus on opportunity instead of memorizing processes and saying step one, step two, step three. What about if instead of it being five steps, you can get it down to three? I mean, why not? So, but this again, people are so latched onto that training, that, that conformity that it stifles a lot within an organization. So yeah, I suppose it's 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 industry as well it affects it, I guess. And it might be again me coming from the not understanding the industry fully, but when I look back at um, at the IT industry that, that that I've been in, I think in, in the early days it was very much maverick, new stuff. You'll have four people in a in a little darkened room <laughs> near Portugal, long <laughs> long hair and and flares, and they would build, create, build. <laughs> support fix repair modify thing all, all of them and, and there'd be these these wizards living in your basement uh, that <laughs> understood what how your it system worked hmm. then it moves to that point of where you you kind of got more mature and it became very stringent and strict on how you change and you must go through these release processes and you can only do this and it'd be long development periods and now you're moving into we're moving back into the the agile processes where there's a little bit of a blend of the two where you've got that control, but you've got that agility to change that creativity area, that thing to say, well, we, it doesn't matter how we do it. Let's, that's how we've done it. How, how are we going to do it? Because that need for change is quick. And, and I guess in, in the construction industry, again, I've been challenged on this before we're talking to people around being agile in the, in the construction industry. I think, for me, looking at it in, in the IT industry, the bit that I see is fantastically useful is you you develop something, you do that work, you fail, you look at how you did it and you go, what, what did we learn? But you do it really short period of times. You do it in that two week or four week windows rather than waiting till the end of your project six months in going, what did we learn on week two when we were doing the gathering designs and everyone goes, don't know, we weren't here. Somebody else had done that. <laughs> they've They've left and you're not capturing those, you're not finding those improvements on how you do it. And I don't know whether in, in your industry, there's there's that kind of thing starting to seep into there where, and, and that retrospective, that continued continuous improvement kind of thing, but in a, um, uh, not in a, in a uh, sort of, what's it called, ISO 9000 kind of way, but in that real team, we're doing stuff at the moment, can we do it better? Can we do it simpler? and challenging those those historic processes is that is that something that's starting to happen in there or is it something that's always gone on 
I can't say that I've seen that in the whole duration that I was working on project delivery. It doesn't mean to say it's not happening. Yeah. There are, you know, at different levels, it does happen. But I remember once I was working on site and I said, you know, there was a graduate who had to print something off, hand it around to everyone else, collect each individual sheet from everyone else, and then go synthesize the hand markups from like 10 people. And then from that, produce the new version out, make it available for a meeting. This is a very cumbersome process. So my suggestion was, why don't we make a, you know, a cloud document or something? And immediately people were like, no, the companies that set up for this. So how would we do this? So they're already seeing the barriers instead yeah. of the opportunity and also thinking, okay, this graduate's dream isn't to chase up this one document for three days a week. They're so going to be here very long. Actually, <laughs> yeah, yeah. And, you know, just quickly it was discarded instead of explored. Yeah. And this isn't to say it's reflective of the whole industry, but again, when people are coming up and all what they're hearing is we've always done it this way, we've always done it this way, then all of a sudden they automatically start saying, we've always done it this way when someone asks a question as to why it can't be differently. So again, it comes back to that entrepreneurial thinking, which yeah. is hugely missing because it isn't taught and versus that employer mindset, which is taught. Yeah, it is. And it's, it's, it's that. And I think you mentioned it about education as well. And I see it with my, I've got two daughters and my eldest in secondary school and the way that the, um, the, the secondary school is set up, it's about compliance. It's about mm. doing, doing what you're told. And, and the education still system still does that now, doesn't create creatures, doesn't aim to create creatures that think um, they, they, they have creatures that are, are, are doing what they're told and then they will challenge those. That's and been, that is not what makes for exemplary leadership. Absolutely true. Absolutely true. No. And I think we, we could probably go down a big rabbit hole on the, on the school yes, side of it. There. Endless. I, could, I could talk for ages and get in trouble, I'm sure. Um, <laughs> I, I'm just, it's coming up on an hour uh, and I think um, uh, it's been a fantastic chat. I know you've got other things to, to jump on to. Um, it's uh, been a pleasure to talk to you. You mentioned your books. Do you, if people want to grab a copy of your book, you said it's out next week, did you say? It's coming out on March 11 and it will be available on Amazon for global buyers and for Australia on Booktopia and of course, Amazon Australia. All right. Brilliant. Superb. And if people want to find out more about you, where do they go? Eleanor Masha on LinkedIn. I'm at Eleanor Masha underscore on Instagram and every Wednesday at 8.30 p.m. Australian Eastern Daylight Savings Time at the moment. I run the Construction Club on Clubhouse so they can join for live dynamic discussions on all things leadership and construction. Brilliant. Superb. Well, thank you very much, Eleanor. It's been a fantastic and fascinating chat. And uh, thank you, yeah, Nigel. You have a fantastic rest of your day. You too. Thank you for the conversation. No worries. Thanks. I hope you enjoyed that first part, having a chat with Eleanor there. Uh, come back in a couple of weeks and you can hear part two. Uh, in the meantime, look after yourself. If you enjoyed the show, um, it would be brilliant if you uh, would like to support it. A uh, number of ways you can do that. Number one is sharing it with your friends and colleagues. Uh, the more people who hear about it, the more people uh, get to uh, 
get the experience from my fantastic guests. If you want to go a bit more than that, you could jump onto wherever you listen to this and give me a review. Five stars would be lovely. Uh, and if you want to look at the, throwing some cash towards me, there are a number of ways you can do that. You can pop along to the Patreon slash Sunday Lunch PM uh, there, or you could grab one of the books that I've published over the years and uh, obviously get a little bit of cash from those on the website under the shop there under sorry yeah under the shop I've got links to all of my guests previous guest books and Andy and Joel's is on there and if you jump along to there you can uh, buy a copy of their books and I get a little kickback from that too and obviously with our new headline sponsor of Tamplo popping along, signing up, and if you end up using it, I will get a kickback there as well. So uh, finally, obviously, as I say every time, uh, the most important thing, though, is come back next time. I'll speak to you soon. Cheers. Well, it's goodbye from me, Nigel Creaser, and it's goodbye from him, the Sunday Lunch PM. Goodbye. <laughs>